0: We don't beat you over the head with our opinion, and we listen to yours. The new face of talk radio, Voice America Women's Radio
1: Network. Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone.
2: Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. Good morning. I am Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone on Voice America Women's Network. And joining me this morning, as always, is my co-host, Lauren Beller. How are you this morning, Lauren? Good morning, Catherine. I'm good. Ready to roll. Ready to roll. I don't know if I am. I woke up. I have have those chest pains from you know coughing. Not chest pains from a heart attack, I hope not anyway, but chest pains from this like deep cough thing, which I had gone to this family my mother's eighty fifth birthday was last weekend, Lauren. And it was kind of bittersweet. I know she's listening, but it was like it was beautiful. Everything was well done. A little dinner at our country club and all the family and the grandchildren and stuff. But eighty five, I mean it's sort of that passing of time kind of thing, but my, everybody had been sick, and so they said, well, you'll you probably get it. Well, I probably did, and I've got it now. Oh, uh, uh, that's too bad. But I will survive, yeah. Uh, you sound good. Yeah, I always sound good. I have that perky little voice. So <laughs> do the best I can. We've got lots of listeners. We have some good ratings this month. We have lots of new listeners. But if you've gone to my website, have you gone to my website lately? Um, you know, I don't think in the past <laughs> couple
3: days, but yeah. what are going
2: to see? Is there something new? Well, there should be something new, but it's not working right. So, if any of you are trying to get on to my, go to my website, com and then trying to get to Voice America Women's Network, the only way you can do it right now is by pressing the listen button, which is on the top bar at the top of the first page. The uh-huh. rest of it doesn't connect. So, we're waiting for our engineer guy to come and and to fix that. So, okay. or if you're trying to do the contact thing at the end, you know, the last page on the website, it, it doesn't. You can't do it. So you just have to, to uh contact me directly. Got it. And I know how to get to you. Yeah. Well, you do know. <laughs> but not everybody else does. I have I have a real problem this morning. And it may not seem I mean I, I if if men are listening they're not gonna I don't think they would think that it is a problem, but I have been getting my hair cut but women definitely would. Now, you have to help me solve the problem because you are my coach and I opened up my new pink magazine. I don't know. Did you get your new pink, pink magazine? I did. Yeah, okay. Sitting right here to, on my desk. Yeah, me too. And one of the, the topics or one of the chapters was time to let someone go. What do you do when you – this is in a business situation in an office, and how do you let them go and do it in the proper way? And they give you the do's and the don'ts. I have been going to the same hairdresser for – at least 10 years, and maybe it's 15 years. Not sure. Shared all kinds of things. You know, when you're at your hairdressers, you tell them your story, they tell you yours. We've talked about our kids. We know each other. But she really hasn't been cutting my hair the way I like. I like it, and it's been getting. It needs a little more attention. Baby boomers. Once you age, um, you're not in that. You're not <laughs> at that point yet, Lauren.
1: Well, uh, you can still
2: tie it all up in a big ponytail. And exactly. It. That's yeah. what I do. Yeah. Okay, but someday you won't be able to, my dear. So, but when you get to this point, you'll remember my story, and, and so it needs more attention in terms of the cut and the color. Ladies over fifty, you know what I'm talking about, and she just can't seem to do it. And I'm going there with my magazines, you know. These, I feel like I'm back in the '50s, exactly showing the, yeah, the <laughs> pictures. I want it just like this. Yeah, just and, like this. and then they look
3: at you and say, "But that's not your hair."
2: Yeah, and that's not your face either. <laughs> exactly. that, you know, and she's twenty-five years old, so you know, give it a break. She never yeah. says that. <laughs> but I come out with this dowdy-looking hairdo, and I'm always very nice. But I went, to, I just, I got a name from somebody that I met at a wedding in New York City, and she sent me to a place on Madison Avenue, and it is just an entire, it's an entirely different hairstyle. It's short. It's upbeat. It's just, it's. It's now. <laughs> and it is also the process of having it done. You know, it's in New York. It's fun. They cater to you. All the, They ask you what you want. I could have had a, a, a three-course meal if I wanted to. They would bring it to you while you're doing, having your hair done. Okay.
3: Um,
2: but, Lauren, I don't like to eat and get my hair done. No don't either. You know, it's no. disgusting, really. So I haven't told it, but then I skipped, my, skipped out on my other hair appointment. And now they keep calling me. What uh, do I say? Uh, I don't know what to do. This sounds uh, so ridiculous. Uh, that's
3: funny because um, not they don't usually do that. I think they pretty much get the point that you haven't been back. You know what I mean? So Even if, after I 10 years? Well, I don't know. I, I think people are smart. I mean, they know that you take really good care of your hair and they're now pushing it into the point to, for what? You know, is she
2: calling you or is the salon calling you? No, the salon called. She wouldn't do that. I, I don't think she would. She may now. I mean, they only called a couple times. So, but, I, I feel like I owe her something. I feel like I need to, yeah. to say something, and I don't know what it is. And, cause well,
3: maybe you just, I would be I don't know, I would be honest. I actually had the same thing happen here, but I have less of an issue because I haven't been seeing her that long. And I didn't see her at one point, and I just finally told her, because I wanted to go back to her at some point, and I didn't want to burn the bridge. So I just said, you know, I, someone really highly recommended this guy um, for specifically curly hair, and my hair is more curly than it's ever been, so I thought I would try him, and I'm back, you know.
2: Okay, so that's a little bit of a different situation, though, because you don't have the kind of, you haven't established the relationship with her that I have. No, and I don't, don't have a tough...
3: ten-year relationship. But what if <laughs> you tell her someone recommended this high-end salon in New York, and you were going to try it out, and you really like it, and for now you're going to
2: give it a shot for a little while? It has not just to do with how, the way she cuts my hair. You just triggered something. It also has to do with the salon itself and the process and what they do and the way they they treat you and, and the whole thing which has nothing to do with her she just is, she happens to be at this salon okay i'll try it i i'll have to wait till after the weekend
3: <laughs> you mean tell, what are you going to try
2: i'm going to tell her i'm going to say that uh you know it's i went to new york got my hair cut. i go there often which i do but also that it is the salon itself it's not just it's you know it's a whole but I'm, it's yeah, changed it's changed and i need change The salon has changed,
3: and it's not changing to feel like it's catering you. It's catering a different generation or a different
2: clientele. Exactly. I'm too hip to be going there. (laughs) I think maybe you just reserved that comment. Too cool. What can I tell you? Show this morning, finally, because she was supposed to be on last week, is Martha Weinman Lear. She's a former staff writer for the New York Times Magazine. Uh Where did I leave my glasses? The what, when, and why of normal memory loss for any. just for baby boomers uh, who are sort of at that stage where they're starting to forget things and um, not quite sure if it's normal or not. And also, Dr. Gordon Livingston, Too Soon Old, Too Late Smart. This is a book for you. He's a graduate of Hopkins University Medical School. And he has 30 bedrock truths, he calls them, which every one of us grapples with every day as we strive to make the most of the life we have left. Whatever that is, because mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's different for everybody. It's different for everybody. I identified with some of them, some of them I didn't. So anyway, that's our lineup for today. So what have What's new with you this week?
3: What's new with you? Working on some big projects. It's the weather's gorgeous here. There's I didn't. Yeah, yeah, nothing
2: new. Nothing. No fireworks,
3: which is no sort fi- of nice.
2: <laughs> uh, I'm out and about. I did a. A speech, uh, SUNY Albany, you know I graduated from the School of Social Welfare, uh-huh. well SUNY Albany has just launched their ho- new marketing and branding, They're just uh, logo, and they had several speakers there, five alum and five uh students, and uh-huh. I was one of the alum, I and guess- I yeah. God, I'm sorry. It, uh, it sounds like you told me a little bit about it. It sounds like a nice
3: uh, – you did a great job and a nice yeah. lineup
2: of people. Yeah, great lineup of people. It was a fun event. It was like at noon, all the media was there, and it sort of just – oh, it's a world of difference. That's the logo. That's the branding for SUNY Albany. Uh-huh. I like that. Yeah. It, it, diversity in lots of different ways. It has to do with diversity. You know, the, the, the school is just um, – it's opening up around the world, and it's, it's, a, it's a great place. Anyway, so I was privileged to be able to get up there and tell my story about what SUNY Albany did for me.
3: Which is, that's a nice thing to have them do, really. Yeah. I mean, that many years later, Not I mean, not that it, it's not Thank like you. you just graduated. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's sort of nice for people to see older people, different generations, and that they participated in this particular university and look at the
2: impact it's had. That's such a good story. That's yeah. so wise. Well, they had a variety of people. They had me, the the, the white woman. They had the. The, the young uh, African-American man, they have the older, older, another generation, he's an author, Joe Persico, I don't know if you know who he is, very famous, I think he's New York Times bestseller, maybe Pulitzer Prize winner, so they had a variety of people, a scientist, uh, an Indian professor, so they had the gamut, it was fun.
3: And all different ages or all within the same age or class? You know, no,
2: Different ages, different all colors, different, okay. different religions, all a different, world of difference. Yeah.
3: Which is really, I mean, what a great recruiting
2: opportunity. Yeah, that's who you were speaking to, potential students, right? You, uh, No, you were actually speaking to the press and the media. And, people okay. at, and, and uh, the president was there and people who were sort of um, part of the university. There were students. No, you're right. There were students. But they were students who were there, I think, not potential students. So it was to get the word out. And, you know, then they had articles in the Times Union the next day. It's interesting. I think
3: colleges—that's um, a whole new world. And I actually know somebody in Boston area that—that's her job is to recruit specifically um, people of color to this particular college. And that, I don't remember that. Maybe there was that particular position 20 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever it was. 20 years ago. Um, but well, that's now, a whole new—you know—they're competing,
2: big time competing, and yeah. they want—they do want a world of difference. They want variety. Each all these. Uh, colleges and universities. And I guess now they get real specific in terms of probably, you know, well here I am, white Jewish woman and <laughs> I don't know if they have a recruiting for that, but um I, I think they do. I think they actually do. They just want a complete uh, you know a variety. They always wanted a variety, but now they they're very real, focused, yeah, yeah in terms of who they want. Um, but anyway, so what else? What else? Um did you hear about this? The, um <coughs> Do I give you a chance to talk? Some people say, give her a chance to talk. All you do is talk. (laughs) What else? Let me hear Catherine. Chocolate. This is all about chocolate. This is an AARP magazine. Uh Uh-huh. I have a
3: couple of these. This is like a new thing. Chocolate is like the big, hot thing.
2: It is, and it keeps coming up and up, and every month you read about how good chocolate is for you at any age. Dark chocolate. Dark chocolate. Yes, not milk chocolate, which... People, I think, tend to gravitate towards the milk chocolate as a rule. It's that dark chocolate, which is a, can be a little bit uh, bitter. It actually, they have found, and I'm not a doctor, but this is what I read in AARP magazine, amongst others. Dark chocolate reduces the risk of diabetes by reducing blood sugar and insulin. Which is so backwards because it is sugar. That's what I don't understand about it. Yeah, I don't understand the scientific uh, either. We'll have to ask somebody or get somebody on the show. It also lowers blood pressure by dilating the blood vessels. Interesting. It's such a
3: good little thing. We should Mm -hmm. be eating it regularly.
2: Yeah, but the problem is with most of us is that we eat too much of it, and then, of course, you put on the calories. So, you know, it's like you hear dark chocolate is good, but that doesn't mean four pounds of dark chocolate a day. No, No, you'd be sick anyway
3: if you ate like that.
2: But here's one, and I really should ask uh, our next guest, because according to this, In the the article in AARP magazine, the six benefits, and I skipped over some some of them, the sixth one says that it enhances cognitive function by increasing blood flow in the brain. Interesting. Yeah, so that's kind of a good segue into our next guest uh, because that's what happens as we get older. Our blood vessels get smaller and smaller, I guess, less blood going through, and so we can't remember things. Or we can't re- yeah, you know, we can't retrieve things. Anyway, minute to go. We're going to take a break. You're listening to Lauren Beller with Kathryn Zox on Voice America Women's Network. I'm your social worker with a microphone. We'll be back in a minute. Thanks for joining us this morning.
0: Talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio. Ladies, are you looking for a place where you can talk candidly about anything and everything? Well, here it is. Timeless Women Speak on the Voice America Women's Channel. We'll talk about sexuality, age-proofing your career, finding your passion and purpose, keeping your brain power, keeping your marriage fresh, dating for grown-ups, plastic surgery, surviving our beauty culture, and much more. Tune in Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific to Timeless Women Speak with Dr. Nancy O'Reilly on the Voice America Women's channel
4: Experts say everybody is addicted to something. Did you know that addiction affects about 15% of our country's middle class population? How many people do you know who are dependent on some kind of substance? Would you guess your friends, your neighbors, how about your family? You may be surprised. Many of us live with chronic pain, which has made us drug dependent, prescription drug dependent. Others struggle with alcohol, methamphetamine and cocaine addiction. Do you have a chronic pain problem? There is another way out. Tune in each Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for a new prescription for health with Dr. Richard Gracer on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
0: Radio that talks with you, not at you. Voice America, Women's Radio Network.
1: You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788.
2: Welcome back to The Catherine Zox Show. If you just joined us, I'm Catherine Zox. Your social worker with the microphone on Voice America Women's Network with Lauren Bell, or my co-host okay lauren uh here we're back and now it, we're kind of we're waiting for martha to see if she shows up but anyway because what she's talking about is something that's very near and dear to my heart title of her book is where did i leave my glasses the what when and why of normal memory loss maybe she forgot that she was going to be on the show <laughs> I was <gonna> say that. <laughs>
3: maybe she forgot the phone number
2: or something i forgot where she put the phone number hey it happens to the best of us oh, it, funny. It, it does and i i <laughs> Seriously, and I have to tell you, and I was going to tell her, but I'll tell you, I, I had the book, and I read the book last week, and I thought, you know, but I, ha- I put it away. I knew I was going to do the show today, and a couple days ago, I went to pick up the book because I thought, you know, I had, for, you know, I had saved the last chapter, and I hadn't read the last chapter. I was going to read it just a couple days before the interview, so I go back to read the book. And when I read my books, I don't know about you, but I use those yellow magic markers that I uh-huh. use in college or yeah, graduate. Me too. Do you? Do I, yeah. yeah helps me to remember for me some reason too, and
3: I can quickly go back and scan a couple
2: things and it's just I, it, help, it does help me remember it makes me slow down exactly so I go back to look at the book and I think that I have to read the last chapter and I see it and it's all marked up with the red the yellow magic marker mm-hmm. I had read the chapter I forgot that <laughs> <laughs> that's funny <laughs> that I had finished the book so I thought okay that's perfect right is that funny that is funny yeah anyway so that was the book but I guess I need some of this uh, cognitive function improvement, increasing my blood flow in the brain by eating dark chocolate. Um, (coughs) You know what else this does, though? (laughs) Dark chocolate. This is interesting. Now, this is good for baby boomers who are concerned about heart attacks or stroke. I mean, your your, uh, chances of having a heart attack or stroke do increase over the age of 50. It reduces the risk of blood clots and strokes by inhibiting the clumping of blood platelets. Um, so, in other words, if I guess, so that you don't get, so that your blood doesn't coagulate, I guess whatever it is, and then you huh. don't. Yeah. So, I guess a piece of chocolate, dark chocolate a day, it's considered in, at least in this article, in the AARP article, is it is the new health food.
3: Interesting. I've heard this for like, probably about a year, on and off, it keeps coming up, but it's um, it's interesting that it's. Well, dark in particular, but I'm also, I'm hearing a friend of mine, um, long story short, she keeps forwarding me these articles from this doctor. He's a doctor in central New York, and he is using the analogy of chocolate that, you know, it's sort of like the decadence of life and not to not have some, that it's okay to have some and that it's all about, you know savoring moments and having that chocolate. It's really funny. So she's been forwarding me this chocolate article the past three or four days. She's writing a different, a different perspective about chocolate. Not from a medical perspective, but from the metaphor of life. the sweetness of life perspective.
2: Right, nurture yourself. Treat yourself. It's okay to have a little chocolate. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah. He so,
3: talks about have dessert. And, you know, it's, you have to, like, enjoy life and not, not, have, you know,
2: not have dessert for every meal, you know. But I sort of like the perspective, you know. Uh, I think that applies not just to t- chocolate, but I think that's that that's a big issue to I mean, I think we tend to do the all-or-nothing thing. You know, it's like uh-huh. we, especially w- women. We're on a diet. We totally deprive ourselves, and then what happens? We just go nuts, and then totally like indulge and stuff ourselves, either literally or figuratively. But like you say, if you just have a little bit, whatever your indulgence is. I mean, what what is indulgent? What's indulging for you? What makes you feel good each day? Something nur- nurturing that you can do, not necessarily chocolate. Um, well, I do like a little bit of chocolate after a meal, but I, so that's that is
3: true. But, you know, for me, the, it's taking time for myself every day, you know, whether it's going for a walk, whether it's a workout, whether, it, you know, it's something, it doesn't have to be huge, but taking time, if, even if it's sitting down and reading, but to my own time and space for me.
2: How much time do you allow yourself, Lauren, to do that? And do you do it every day? day.
3: No, it, I don't get to do it. My, my work days, I tend to, well, it also depends on if my husband's home. If he's traveling, I get it at night after I put Sierra to bed. But, um, I definitely do it on, you know, the four days a week that I do very fortunate, I only work three days a week. So the four days a week that I'm not working on my business, so to set, so to speak, I do get take time. And I might, even if it's a half an hour. I, yesterday, I had a real decadent, long lunch with all of the big fish here in Austin. And then I went and had a massage and a chiropractic appointment. That was a nice day. And that was a work day.
2: And no one feels sorry for you when you have those kinds of work days. Absolutely Where'd you go for not. lunch? You um, had a big fancy
3: I, well that big restaurant on our lake here that we went to, nine of us. Where well, you
2: took Barry and May. No,
3: it was a different one. The one that was you can't get to by boat, it's up on
2: up way high on the mountain. Oh, very cool. What a, and if any of you have, have... I don't know, if you haven't been to Austin, they have this, it's like a huge lake, and it's gorgeous. And it's in the, actually, Austin in the rolling hills, I would say. So when you sit up there in the restaurant look over the lake, beautiful. It is, That's yeah, nice. it beautiful. yeah, it was beautiful. It was, yeah. Um, yeah. So, but I think you have to take time off every day. Like, uh, you said something. You said, well, I don't do it if Rob, my husband, if, if he's not, if he is away. See, well, I because he
3: travels half the week. So I find that when he's home, I try to specifically find time to spend it with him versus just me. So it's like, you know, it's a balance. If he was home all the time, I'd have to figure out how to fit it in when he was home. But because he's traveling so much, it's sort of, oh, this, he's home, let me see if I can fit an hour in it with him before I go to sleep, you know? Yeah, and
2: I think what happens when you get to the empty nest and the baby boomer, the whole thing turns over, that you're I'm both sure. there together all the time and you've got to figure out how to get away from him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we'll have any trouble with that. He has his stuff, I have mine. Yeah, that's not a problem. But I still think, I don't think one should base it on the other person. I guess what I'm saying is you need to take time out for yourself every day. Now, it may be different one day than it is the next because of whatever the circumstances are, but if you really, really take that half hour, whatever, I mean, if your husband's away and you have to take care of the baby, you have to figure out another way to nurture yourself. maybe Exactly. Okay. No, I agree with that. So, yeah.
3: And when he's away, it tends to be, but it is, you're right, when he's away, it tends to have, be more there's more. There's less people to give attention to. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's sort of, you know, it's Sierra and me, and we, I tend to have a little more alone time. I'm really, that's decadent for me. Alone time, it's crazy. A lot of people that aren't into it, they sort of just try to fill up space, I think, not to have that alone time. But I'm just the opposite. I really like it.
2: Where do you think that came from? wanting to be alone. I have the same thing. I, I really and if I'm not, I it it after a while it builds up. I have to have a alone time. And I as am you the say, oldest. I have, what? You're I the am old? the oldest.
3: Are you so the oldest? I. Yeah. I, so I didn't have a sibling until I was two and a half years old and so, you know, I'm thinking about Sierra. She is not even two and a half yet and she's she now she takes alone time. Like she'll go and sit and play in the corner and I'll say, What are you doing playing? you know. Cute. Um but so I'm w I do not know if it came from that, but I um my grandmother, though, is the same way. She's 85. She'll be 86 in September. And she lives alone house for 20 years, and she will tell you she wants it no other way.
2: Yeah. And people are always trying to, and I, I think particularly your, like your grandmother, she's 86 years old. Aren't you, lo- they they attribute like you must be lonely, you must want no. to be with people all the time. She loves it. N- yeah. My mother's the same way. I mean, she's got a lot going on, and she really doesn't want someone there all the time. And exactly. you really Yeah. So um, I'm that way too. I mean, I just I, I wander around my house. There's nobody here. Oh, I guess what I'm getting in my house. I this is all related <laughs> to my hair, actually. Uh oh, <laughs> let me hear. I am. We have this terrible water where I, we live here in New York, and it really does have an impact—a negative impact—on your hair and your skin. And as, it's high you know, minerals, right? Yeah, and so it's, it's hard water. So as you, and when you're younger, your body's more forgiving, your hair is more forgiving, everything is more forgiving. But as you get older, I think you have to take more care of yourself and your body and your hair, and especially drying out. So I opened up the yellow pages the other day and called the Culligan man and uh had him up here last night and I'm gonna put in a whole a system that it's for drinking, obviously, because our water he tested it, wasn't good. The test he does looks like a home pregnancy test. Uh-huh. Isn't? The thing turns purple exactly, or whatever. Yep. Yeah. It's test the minerals. Yeah, and so and it will also do something. For, oh, it, it affects the water all over the house, and so also for my in the shower, and it will make nice soft water for my hair and for um, body, et cetera. And I hope he's listening because I told him <laughs> I would mention it on the show today. But uh, so and I'll tell you, he's going to next week. They're going to put the whole thing in. But I do think that it is worth it. I, oh
3: God, I used to have one in Albany. A it whole is, house. A whole house water filter
2: and it worked right it was great yeah Yeah. i've waited too long i think i mean uh, it's i I guess it's never too late but i realize it is time because i travel a lot and i'll go and i know if you travel a lot and you go to a hotel or you go to a place you 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 totally know the
3: difference between the water yeah yeah, Uh, your hair looks different in different cities because it's different water (laughs) it's true I was yeah. going to Long Island to visit my sister a couple of years ago, and I washed my hair, and my hair was literally totally different. I mean, I got
2: out of the shower, even
3: brushing it was different. Water yeah. makes a big difference.
2: The water makes a huge difference. So any ladies, if you are, and don't wait till you're my age, I think you really have to be really concerned. I was buying Poland spring water in the gallon jug. Bringing it into the shower. No. <laughs> and dumping it on my head. Of course, it's cold, so it was, I just had this whole thing going on. So my cleaning lady came, <laughs> and she looked in there, and she sees these gallon jugs, and she said, I didn't know what you were doing in there, but I decided just to leave them there.
3: Oh, my God, that
2: is so funny. <laughs> but it's not very practical, because they're big gallon things. And they're in the, cold. And they're cold, so I would have the hot shower on my body pouring the cold jug over my head. And I thought, I hope nobody, of course, I'm in I'm telling you about it now but it was like it's ridiculous it was like ridiculous ridiculous.
3: that's so funny hey i I know something else that we're i'm going to change the subject totally is our guest here no go ahead so i want to tell you something else that i'm up to speaking of sharing things that you won't believe um i'm thinking of i've not committed yet and i'm not committing on this on this radio conversation (laughs) with you to do a triathlon in a couple months
2: Oh, very cool. And I'm taking
3: swimming lessons because I'm such a bad swimmer. So I'm, I'm taking swimming lessons so that I'm getting good at it. I start next. I already took one, and I like this. I'm taking another.
2: But you do swim, and you swim a mile in the lake. So these swimming lessons, obviously, they're different. They, they're getting you in shape for something for no, the triathlon. No, no,
3: no. I do swim, but I'm like a doggy paddle swimmer.
2: <laughs> I had this expectation that you were this really cool swimmer.
3: Oh, no, okay. No, so, I'm so, a really so what do you bad do? Swimmer. I'm Try- a, and triathlon is a half a mile swim and I haven't I wanna do it, but I'm a f I'm like I am i am like I can't wear my swim belt. I wear my swim belt and swim a mile and come back. You are such
2: a wuss. wuss. I I didn't, and you never told me the truth. See, I always thought, oh, Lauren's out there swimming a mile. When I say a mile, I swim a mile, but it's in a swimming pool, so it's easier than a lake. But, okay, triathlon, is it in your age group, the 40-to-something age group? or do you... Anybody. Anybody.
3: Anybody, yeah, and they put you in groups.
2: And is that swimming, bicycling, running? Yes. Very cool. And are you doing it for a, a cause, like no. some kind of a not-for-profit? You're doing it for yourself? They're going to pay you? My own
3: cause. <laughs> My own cause of, look what I can do. For myself, not like for the world to say, you know not for me to say, "Look what I can do to the world, but for myself, I you know it's a, such a total confidence booster for me because I'm like you know I've never done this before
2: that is very cool, and something that I would like to do um come to Austin." I will. When is it? We'll have to talk about it. But not now, because we do have our next guest, but we're going to take a break before. What would you like to do, though? Tell me quick. What would you like to do? I'm not going to tell you. Oh, come on. (laughs) Our next guest coming up after Lauren and I take a short break is Dr. Gordon Livingston. Too soon, old, too late, smart. Don't go away. You're listening to Voice America Women's Network. I'm your social worker with a microphone. Catherine Zox will be back in
5: a minute.
0: Talk radio that informs, entertains and enlightens you. Voice America, Women's Radio Network.
1: your JackLelane.com presents Jack Lane Live on the Voice America Health and Wellness Radio Network. Each week, Jack is joined by Elaine Lelaine and his nephew, bodybuilder, kinesiologist, and personal trainer, Chris Lane to answer your questions and help you overcome your fitness roadblocks. That's three times the diet and fitness know-how, three times the entertainment. Tune in every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific to Jack Lane Live on the Voice America Health and Wellness Radio Network
0: have issues. Parenting, addictions, disorders, anxiety, stress. How do we expand on what's working and improve what's not? Let Quantum Leaps with Beth Wilson bring you a high energy approach to personal growth and creative life change. Listen every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Women's Channel. Let Beth bring you back to sanity with a blend of humor and perspective so you can make the change you need. Quantum Leaps with Beth Wilson, Thursdays at 4 Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time here on Voice America Women's Channel. For the most current and up-to-date information and options in childbearing, family health, and parenting, tune in to Celeste Ranese's timely topics in childbirth, broadcasting every Wednesday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. If you don't know your options, you don't have any. We don't beat you over the head with our opinion, and we listen to yours. The new face of talk radio, Voice America Women's Radio Network.
1: You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788.
2: Welcome back to the Catherine Zodt Show, and thanks for joining us this morning, Lauren Beller, my co-host. I'm Catherine Zodt, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to Voice America Women's Network this morning. Joining me is my guest, Dr. Gordon Livingston. He's author of Too Soon, Old, Too Late, Smart, a graduate of West Point, John Hopkins School of Medicine, and he writes for the Washington Post, the San Francisco Chronicle, the Baltimore Sun, also awarded the Bronze Star for Valor in Vietnam. Dr. Livingston is a parent twice bereaved. In one 13-month period, he lost his eldest son to suicide, his youngest to leukemia, and out of a lifetime of experience, he has extracted 30 bedrock truths with every one of which every one of us grapples with as we strive to make the most of the life we have left. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning.
5: Good morning, Catherine. Yes.
2: Can I call you Gordon or Dr. Livingston?
5: Ah, no, please call my Gordon.
2: Okay. All right. Well, I you know, I think everybody when they read your book, you go through the 30 truths and figure out which ones relate to you or yes. I that yeah, that's what I did. So, um what how did you you know, what was the when did you first you know, decide to write the book? You know, obviously I you know, from your history I can see the motivation for writing the book, but how did it all come about?
5: Well, it came about uh, a couple of years back when I was coming to the end of a 34-year career with a uh, multi-specialty uh, medical group, and uh, I just uh, kind of began to wonder what I'd learned in all these thousands of hours of conversations with people, and, and uh, so I started writing things down, and, um, and so the book would be longer than three pages. I wrote an essay about uh, each one, and uh, that's how the book came to be.
2: Doctor, I have to call you Doctor Livingston. <laughs> <laughs> I, if that's what comes more naturally. I just have to okay. say it. But um, I mean, I, I think about what you've been through. I mean, I have three sons, and I just—I so, I, it's just—and I know there are a lot of parents out there who would read your book and think, "Oh my God!" You know, a, a parent twice bereaved, and also being in Vietnam. How did you survive? I, my question is, how did you survive all of those kinds of traumas?
5: Well, you know, you you don't have a choice. Uh, There are some things that, and and that's the message of tragedies like that: is that you don't. uh, um, You know, there are lots of things that we don't control in life, but that we, but we're defined not by necessarily by what happens to us, but how we respond to it, and so. Um, that's, uh, you know, every bereaved parent hears that uh, from others. I I couldn't go through this. But, of course, you can go through it if you have to because there are still people who depend on you. And and so you have to transfer that love that you felt for for your lost uh, children to those who still need you.
2: So what you're saying is we do go through it, but it's how we go through it. And we have choices as to how we go through it. Exactly. Those kinds of traumas, and, yeah. and that's yeah, and that's what you talk about in the book. And you have you have uh, examples of of, of uh, individuals and families. Let's talk about some of those.
5: Yeah, yeah, there, I mean, w- what you hear as a therapist, as you well know, is, uh, uh, is a lot of sad stories about, uh, you know, lo- love and loss and, and, uh, people's efforts to change their lives and overcome adversity and, and that's what makes it such a fascinating occupation and so, um, having listened to lots of people do that i i i, I kind of uh, I feel as though i 'd learned some things about um, the importance of having accurate maps in our heads that allow us to navigate through life and and the importance of taking responsibility for what happens to us and not getting stuck in the past and and so these are the subjects that uh, that have interested me uh, and and i 've been you know inspired by the way uh, uh, people are able to overcome adversity.
2: One of the, uh, when I was reading your book, I'm thinking a a friend of mine who's an oncologist once said to me, he said, this was many, many years ago, and I thought about it when I was reading your book, and he said, you know, life is just a series of losses. That's really what it is, and it's how we respond to those losses that makes us what we are, whether it's, you know, from the beginning, the date we're born, uh, the the loss of being in the womb, to, to nursing, to going to school, and on and on. It's all about loss.
5: Yeah, and and in some ways it's kind of a miracle that we're not all depressed. It is. Of course, we are all depressed.
3: That's another thing.
5: Yeah, we have to endure these losses, and then ultimately we lose ourselves. And so the story doesn't have a happy ending. So in the middle of that, the, the miracle, I think, is that we can develop attitudes and, and habits, and, and we can draw people close to us who will make us happy. And and, uh, and so I think that uh, the, the, that's a kind of a uniquely uh, human uh, attribute and one that we all need to cultivate.
2: One of the things, one of the truths was we... And it seems so simple, but it is so true. And you have to, I think it's a mantra that one has to repeat every day, at least I do. We are what we do. I mean, so many people talk about what we're gonna do, or we love you, or we, you know, I love you, but, you know, you don't act like you love me. It all has to do with your behavior. We are what we do. I, that just, I think that's something to keep in mind every day.
5: Yeah, I think we get bogged down in words and thoughts and feelings as if they were what we are, but but they're not. It's our behavior that uh defines us and so as you say the the promises uh uh don't don't matter. It's what we actually end up doing that uh, uh that determines uh how we feel.
2: Another one, happiness is the greatest risk. Why is that, Dr. Living?
5: Well, you know, depression in some ways is kind of a safe position. <laughs> And uh, sometimes after I talk to somebody who who seems stuck, and uh, it it occurs to me that you know when you're down, uh, nothing can happen. That that, that uh, that's worse in a way, and so. Um, but to be happy is to take a risk uh, and the risk of course is losing the happiness and and it's just like uh, like any of the other big risks we take whether it's falling in love or um, uh, or, or taking a chance on our careers I mean we, we those are all risky but if we don't take those risks then uh, uh, then who are we and and where are we so um, I, I think the ability to take a risk to try running a triathlon <laughs> or you know to do anything like that I, I think is really uh, requires some courage.
2: Yeah, I agree with you because you also say this I think goes along with happiness is the greatest risk. The major... Advantage of illness is relief from responsibility, and I think that's so true. Whether it's mental illness or physical illness,
5: yeah, people yeah. They, uh, sometimes cling to that. You know, they, because not, if we're if we're ill or we're disabled, then then uh, very little is expected of us. So that's also a safe position. And and uh, and some people uh, get bogged down in that way as well by some definition of themselves that they've accepted as uh, as being limited in what they can do, and and uh, and and. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. That's also safe.
2: What was the most helpful one of these 30 truths for you? Well,
5: well I, I, I think you've already hit on that. I mean, I, I, the, the uh, theme that underlies the book is, is that of action and choice and, and uh, in the sense that, uh, you know, Victor Frankl speaks about in, him, in life uh, in his book, uh, um uh life search for me a search for meaning and it is the, that we always have some choice even in his uh situation which was as a, in a concentration camp he felt as though he had the, the choice of the attitude with which he would meet his fate and and uh and so i think that that's the uh, underlying message uh, uh is that we're never helpless
2: we always have a choice yes yeah, even when we think that we that we don't.
5: Yeah. Um,
2: yeah, and I. But why do you think that? And I think today, and and I, I don't know the statistics, or, but I mean, people supposedly we have more choices. We have so many choices, all of us, you know, wherever we are, worldwide. And yet, it seems that more people are depressed today, or unhappy, or feeling unfulfilled, you know, with seemingly all of these choices. So, how does that fit?
5: Well, it is amazing yeah, when you when you look at the uh, uh, you know look at the affluence of the society we live in, uh, and and yet uh, beyond a certain point. Uh, uh, the, what we have is not going to make us happy. I mean, it's the people that we're that we're with, the people that we draw close to, and the things that we do that determine how happy we are. And that's why I tell people who you know come in seeking medication that that the medication can definitely help in relieving your depression, but it's not going to make you happy. You have to you know you have to change something in your life. That's an affirmative state that depends on on uh, who you have uh, and in fact i include a definition of happiness as uh, as being uh, uh, having something to do someone to love and something to look forward to and if you have those three things uh, you're likely to be um, uh, you're likely to be happy but it but it definitely is only uh, you know once you get past the basic needs uh, um further um uh, affluence doesn't make us much happier
2: it's sort of like maslow's needs of you know f- a roof over your head yeah
5: yeah and food food, and, 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 yeah. And, uh, yeah and i, uh, I think there's studies them.
2: aren't there doctor that where that you know people living middle-class lifestyles tend to be happier happier than people who don't have enough to feed themselves and their families or a nice home but then people when you go beyond that and you ha- accumulate all these you know extra kinds of things in big houses that makes you less happy not more happy
5: yeah well it 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 uh it doesn't apparently from the studies that doesn't make you a lot more happy and and they and they also have discovered that most people have a kind of a set point for their happiness so that that if they're confronted with some adversity such as divorce or loss of a job or whatever it is um that within six months they've they've kind of returned to their baseline level of happy even even catastrophes like being paralyzed that that uh, that people are not then um, uh, uh, made permanently unhappy. There, you know, there's a sag in their mood, but then they return to their set point. And and so the challenge is to get our individual set points um, uh, a little bit higher than they are now.
2: That's sort of it's like dieting. It's the same kind of yeah, thing, right? Yeah, that's right. It's just like yeah. weight. That, it's like that, weight. Uh, it's your now set point. We, can,
5: we all uh, we we kind of oscillate around our set points.
2: You know, we have, I have a couple more. I could talk to you all morning, but we have a couple minutes left. And just a question about, you know, I, I, and it's a concern of mine. I think, you know, you're talking about as a psychiatrist, you know, you don't just uh, medicate your patients. You have them take a look at their behavior and what their own choices are. What about for children? I mean, I see so much in the paper today. We are, are, I say, drugging our kids, you know, ADD, all of those kinds of things. Is it the kids who aren't happy or is it how they're reacting to their social situation? Or I think it's a serious problem.
5: Yeah, I, th- I think there is a, some overprescription going on, and, and probably with both uh, adults and children. And it, part of it is that, uh, it is our sense that 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 we want a quick solution, and uh, and the pills, uh, you know, are the way they're advertised on television and so on. They kind of imply that that if you take these, that you're going to feel better quickly, and and it uh, ignores the hard work uh, and time that's required to really change our lives. And so I think that uh, that's the reason that we tend to rely on these, uh, too much on drugs.
2: Well, as a psychiatrist, you're certainly inspiring, and I recommend that everybody get the book, Too Soon Old, Too Late Smart. You can get it at Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere, and Dr. Livingston, we have to say goodbye, but is there a website that we can go to?
5: Yeah, GordonLivingston.com, so uh, just one word.
2: Okay, great. Thanks so much for being on All the right, show this Catherine,
5: morning. Thanks for having me.
2: Thank you. You're listening to Voice America Women's Network. Catherine Socks with Lauren Beller. We're going to take a short break right now. I'm your social worker with a microphone, and I'll be back in a minute.
4: A healthy, attractive smile shows confidence and will give others a great first impression. Tune in to Dr. Chad for Smile Radio. If you have a question that you've always wanted to ask your dentist but were afraid to, Dr. Chad is here to help. Did you know there's a strong connection between oral health and general health and well-being overall? Join us every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, that's 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Smile Radio with Dr. Chad. Ladies, what are you willing to do to live the life of your dreams? Are you willing to start today? If your answer is yes, even if you are just mildly curious, you've got to tune in to Wise Divas with life coach and host Teresa Proctor each Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. Start living your wildest dream today.
2: Good morning, and thanks for joining us this morning on Voice America Women's Network. I'm Catherine Zock, your social worker with the microphone, with Lauren Deller. Well, Lauren, he was wonderful, oh, Dr. Man. Livingston. Yeah, I mean, think about what he's been through in terms of uh, his experience in Vietnam, but, that, but his two sons. Um, it, it's like the worst kinds of tragedies that I think his parents could think about anyway. It's oh, God. Like, yeah. And look what he's done, not just for himself but for, for other people. I mean, he's been practicing psychiatry for 30-plus years. Um, it's, it's so amazing. nice to have – it's refreshing to have someone in his shoes walk his own talk. Like, I'm
3: sure that he's had patients before that tragi- those tragedies that he's had to
2: walk through this process. And it's one thing to walk someone else through. It's another thing to do it yourself. Exactly. And, and, you know, what he said was I think that whole concept of choices. I mean – it's, it's things happen to you. There are certain things that happen that you have no control over, Absolutely. but you have the choice as how you're going to respond to them. And I think we forget that. It's always like, well, I couldn't because, and this happened. Well, you could have. And that example that he gave of uh, uh, Frankel, oh, I forgot his first name, the author of um, yep. Man's Search for Meaning. For Meaning,
3: yeah. yeah. I I mean, have to give his first name right now. Yeah. that's a, But he's exactly right. And I think that in a situation with such tragedy, we don't tend to look at our choices. We feel like a victim or we get angry. You know, our emotions take over and we tend not to see
2: the choices. So, it's so he just spoke to such a powerful, something's really powerful. Yeah, don't allow One doesn't have to be a victim, even in a concentration camp situation. Exactly. You have choices as to the attitude you're going to take. Towards your you know being there, I mean I, you know that you you could different people have different attitudes, and that impacts on how you behave and also on your even your physical uh, everything and I'm curious
3: we didn't get a chance to ask him or he didn't say you know what how did his the spa, his spouse handle it, and was she able to be as at choice with it as he is I'm just curious, but who knows
2: I, if I've, his, you know, he, he, gordonlivingston.com is his website, so if you or, or I or anybody else wants to, to go to his website, I haven't done that yet, but I would imagine sometimes there's a way to contact him. If I mean, there's so many more questions that one would oh, ask, yeah. and like you say, he's somebody who's suffered enormous tragedies, but at the same time, he's a psychiatrist, a brilliant man, um, so he has a lot to offer. I'd say, and I have yeah. some quotes here for you. You want some? Yeah. He's right up this. App, his, exactly where he's speaking, this
3: is Leo Biscald, Bisca, Biscaglia, you know, that he's always writing on love. What we call the secret of happiness is no more a secret than our willingness to choose life. Yeah, that's
2: The secret, secret to happiness, I love that, is choice. It's choice. The secret to happiness is choice. Somebody said to me the other day, uh, they were talking about a, a relationship, and they said, I just love him. And I said, Oh, I said, So you know, when was the last time well, I haven't seen him in six months and oh. I don't see I I don't really see him anymore but I love him and I said, Well then what does that mean? I mean that isn't doesn't isn't that connected to some kind of behavior? Isn't that just I still love him, I still it it didn't make any sense to Funny, me. yeah. Yeah. It's like it's just one of those Pie, to me, anyway, it if was she's, in, she's loving what's possible, probably. Yeah, but it, it's not connected. It's not connected. Yeah. How do yeah. you show your love? I love you. It's like in relationships. I don't know about you and Rob, but Barry and I. I mean, you can, you know, I love you. I love. Well, if you love me, then don't talk to me that way. Exactly. Or If you love me, yeah. you know, don't be three hours late or whatever the issue is for the couple. If you love me, then you have. Then love has some certain. Behavioral characteristics or ways of interacting, and you have to do it, or you don't really love me. It's, it's, you, it's. We have a diff- It's not love. Yeah, it's
3: interesting, and also I think that it all comes from how we see ourselves. Talk about a whole nother conversation, but in other words, are we are we taking good care of ourselves? Because if we take good care of ourselves, it's a lot easier to love
2: others. Example. Give it that kinda of brings us back what we were talking about in the beginning. Nurturing yourself, loving yourself. Sort I, love, of. I mean,
3: I always yeah. get resentful, like if Rob does something, whatever it is, you know, um come home later than he said or whatever. You know, he, yeah. I mean he's always out and about, so he'll say, I'll be home around ten or I'll ask him what time he's always hesitant to give me a time because then he's you know, he's tied to it. But so he's not really. I just am trying to get a sense. Is he gonna be home before Sierra goes to sleep? After you know, I'm trying to get a sense of my night. Whatever. So if he I find that if I'm just really taking good care of myself, it doesn't matter what he does. If I'm, you know, slaving away in my mind and, you know, then I get frustrated. I I resent him more. But it's not his issue. It's my issue.
2: I used to call that, or I do call that, Plan B. And I think plan you really B. Plan B, you've hit on something. This is what happens with couples, right? One maybe tend to be on time, the other one isn't. The one is sitting there waiting. If you're sitting on the couch waiting, you're getting you, you can feel your blood pressure just like you know I've had it. I'm, I'm and you get so angry waiting for the other person. But if you can, it's it also has to do with expectation. Okay, I know he's late like three quarters of the time. It's an issue. But if he isn't here within the next ten or fifteen minutes or ten minutes, whatever your boiling point is or pre boiling point. Plan to do something else. Yeah, and I don't do that your that thing. That, yeah, do your thing. And I don't mean leave the house necessarily. That's more drastic. But plan to have another thing that you are going to do. I it hear works. you.
3: I think it's about, but and not out of anger and resentment, out of what do I want for this time?
2: Well, my time is important. My time is precious. So by you not being here, you've. And I and by me not doing anything with that time, I have to take responsibility with it. And I've, I, I hate to say wasted, but maybe I've wasted that time, and I don't want to waste and that I time. Yeah,
3: because it has value to you.
2: Yeah, it's value. Well, the only thing we have is time. That's it, I agree us. with that. Yeah. So next time it happens, you need to be prepared, as you say, to just have another something else you're going to do because you're not going to sit and
3: and, i actually even go a step further of saying you know i stopped asking him what time do you think you're going to be home i I just assume he'll tell me what i'll I'll get a sense i'll ask just for a sense but it's i'll plan. i'll just do my plan b first you know what i mean unless and if he comes and is able to join me then great we'll do something else because it's i have to take care of myself first and if i take care of myself there's a lot less resenting and a lot less trying to manipulate or control the situation
2: I even do that, not just with the, my partner, but I do that even, let's say, with 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 friends or acquaintances. You kind of know what they're you, like. You go visit somebody, and you realize that uh, you make certain plans, and and they may or may not. Every time you go, the plans always get interrupted, and nothing happens. I have two or three plans going on, so I know that okay. Oh, that's, that's cool. Just, yes, if it doesn't work out, I'm gonna do something else, and I'm not gonna be angry. Because I've set up... Exactly. Yeah, you set up the situation so that you have choices. Exactly. It it makes such a huge difference, I think, in terms of relationships. And it it goes back to what you're saying, like just taking care of yourself. Exactly. And
3: uh, choices out of happiness versus resentment. I always hear, um, especially my girlfriends, oh, my God, they're so funny. Um, (laughs) I know they're not listening. Most likely they're not listening. Oh, yes, they are. Um, I... You know <laughs>
2: Just name one of them. You can really end that relationship. It's true.
3: You're exactly right. You know, when they they're so pissed at this, I'm going to do this. You know, I'm like, wait a second. Are you doing that out of anger and resentment, or are you doing it to take care of yourself? Because they're very different things that we choose to do. And I think the intention has energy that one is to purposely make the other person angry or mad, and the other one is, you know, to sit back and let it go and do what you know, make the choice of what do I really want for myself.
2: The first one is reactive and that never works. It never works. That's yeah, exactly right. It, it's simply reactive and as you say, it's anger, it's all of those things and and that it's not good for you. It it doesn't help, right? So, um well, so are you the resident therapist for your girlfriends? Um, <laughs> coach. Uh
3: you know, sometimes and sometimes not. Like sometimes they are for me out of my frustration. I always have this uh, another good friend of mine. We all have this um really funny joke that when our spouses piss us off. We're going to uh, start this, you know, group where mothers raise their children and no men are allowed except boys, you know, young kids. So we like we call each other and say, um, "I'm ready to move to the commune," you know. And we always name the street, and you know, it's really funny. What's the name of the group going to be? And and you know, I'll be in a great place, and then one of them will call me and say, "I'm moving. I'm packing my bags right now. I just want to let you know."
2: So funny. That's Plan B, or exactly. plan C. as it long as you plan have it. Yeah, and as long as you have it in your head, uh, well, that's a support group. See, I think that really works well too. I mean, that's all part of it, don't you think? I mean, that—that's. And you know
3: what's funny is when they leave those voicemails for me. I call back a lot more quickly because I know they're like, "Uh oh, something's not going. So they need—they need to vent," you know. Versus, hey, "I'm having a good day, just hanging out. Thought I would call you, and I'll say, oh, I'll get to them later," you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so
2: you've created your own social network that Definitely. I think, Yeah, that's very effective and especially from, uh, it, it's sort of that, what you're describing is, once you have babies, that seems to just, uh, that's kind of a universal thing that happens for some reason. It, it just does because you feel responsible. Women feel responsible for the kids. I don't care if they're working 24-7 outside of the house or inside of the house, wherever they are, there's still that kind of attachment that they feel responsible for the children and the house that uh-huh. men don't feel, don't oh, you think so?
3: Absolutely. We talk about it every day. Yeah. Not every day, I'm joking, but, you know, we talk about it all the time. There's something that happens that we take on more. I don't care what anybody says. We take on more. Sorry, men, you can call us and deny it or <laughs> let me know. But even, I think, stay-at-home dads, they don't do as much as stay-at-home moms. Now, that could really get me in trouble. But I really—I haven't seen it. I don't see it, and I know a couple stay-at-home dads. It's big here in Austin, actually.
2: Stay-at-home dads often have a very proscribed list of things that they Absolutely. do or don't do. This is not true for stay-at-home moms.
3: Exactly. That's <laughs>
2: exactly right. Yeah, and it's very different. The roles are very different. But, you know, stay-at-home mom does not mean the same thing as stay-at-home dad. And now we have to say goodbye. Hey, I have one uh, more quote before we go. Go. When choosing between two evils, always
3: I always like to try the one I've never tried before.
2: That's a great one. I like that one. That's an inspirational one for me. You've been listening to Catherine Zox with Lauren Beller, and we're on the Voice America Women's Network. Hope you had a nice morning. Have a great day, and we'll see you next week.